You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. In June of 2010, I was pastor in a church. I've been there 14 years. And really out of the blue, the Lord spoke to me about starting a church. Another church is probably the maybe the third time I've done that. And that's a pretty daunting task at 59 to really begin again. But I believe in, well, I believe in the Lordship of Jesus. The Bible says we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And he didn't command me to do it. He offered me the opportunity and told me, if you don't do it, I'll be glad to find someone else. And I thought, well, I've done things the Lord didn't ask me to do that I tried to drag him into to bless. But he, if he's asking me to do this, he's vested. He's going he's gonna to help. So we began meeting at the uh, Visualite Theater um, Sunday evenings and Ah, gosh, we did that probably, I don't know, five or six years. And um, in about six and a half years, we had an opportunity to move in here. But a number of the families are still with us after all these years. It's remarkable. We actually started with John Mark and Sarah and Christopher and Brandy, Donna and I. I think the Tories were in that first crowd and the Malloys, the Clarks. Eric and Amanda Hurchin, Josh and Sheila and others. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but um, it's it's been a remarkable opportunity to serve the Lord and trust him. And so do what he wants you to do, ladies and gentlemen, because you never know what effect other lives will have on decisions that you make. And so, so important. So we're... We're very grateful. So this morning, I want to introduce to you someone that's been on our board that whole time. Most of you know him. It's Matt Peterson. Matt is the pastor of Awake Church in Winston-Salem. He leads Hydrating Humanity. They've got 1,050 wells, mostly in Kenya. He's got a wonderful wife, Debbie, five sons, and I remembered every one of their names, Josiah, John, Sam, Seth, and um, Andrew, and I don't, I think you're not having any more, gave up on the other gender there, didn't you, Matt? But uh, anyway, here he is, Matt Peterson. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Great to be back down here. Always love coming here and Oh, man, uh, I get to see these people that uh, I've got so much history with. Uh, so many of you goes way back. And uh, look, there's a Willits. The very first wedding I ever did were Brandon and Julia's still married. Awesome. Just uh, crazy. How long ago was that? 99. Wow. There we go. Just uh, great being with you guys and uh, thankful for this church. Congratulations on your 13th anniversary. I remember the beginning of this. Uh, as Robin just described as he and Donna and Chris and John Mark and their wives and they just 
went forward with this, taking some risk, and uh, boy, this has been so fruitful, and what a gem you are. This church is really a, it's, it's a gem. In fact, one of the things I was seeing for you is that there is a vein, it's like a hidden vein of the uh, wonder of beauty of precious value of things that God has yet for you to discover. I feel like you've just kind of, you're mining this and the Lord's going to keep revealing incredible things. And you are part of that valuable thing for, for the world, for this area. This community is incredible and uh, God's got some great things ahead. So this is going to be 20 year soon. And then 25 and 30 and all that. God's got great things for this place. And for all of you, your lives, the church is you. It's not a building. And so anyway, really happy to be here. I want to share a few things today. Feeling privileged that I get to have a part of this topic that you're, this series that you've been in as following Jesus. I think this is week seven. So I got a chance to listen to Sarah's Last week was wonderful. Great job on that. And, uh, boy, I was getting fed from that. So following Jesus, what a privilege it is for us to do that. And everyone is following something or someone. Doesn't matter who it is. On the planet, everyone's following something. Whether it's uh, a false religion, false god, or it's another person, or it's their own lusts that just drive them, whatever that, that is, they're following, they're following something. They're, they're going for something. And we have this incredible privilege of following Jesus that is so beautiful. As you know, that was when I pulled in here today uh, and walked around the building, the thought hit me. There are a lot of people here I don't know, but this is a gathering of Jesus followers. Uh, this is, you know, I've been in countries where all the Jesus followers, you had to, you had to live hidden. You could not be expressive. In fact, uh, this is when I was in the government. I was in one nation and it was illegal to be a believer. And so the believers, the only place they let them gather was on an embassy compound. So the Dutch embassy compound, I don't know, it was amazing. They allowed Christians to meet there. So I went with every, group of different beliefs in the, uh, really in that city. And that we all met together on this international compound and just praised and worshiped. And you realized how valuable the freedoms that you have in this country are and many other places where we can worship freely. But as I came here today thinking, you guys are Jesus followers. Here you've come together. You've gathered. You've all found Jesus. He's found you. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. So following Jesus is this great privilege. And unlike any other person to follow or any doctrine or religion or person or philosophy, Jesus invites his followers into following him, but also something beyond following. And that's really what I want to talk about today is what he invites us into beyond just following. Following is huge. Obeying him, watching him, pursuing him. But he also invites us to beyond up here to be united with him. 
And there's something so different about being united with Jesus instead of just following his words or the word or a, a great man. Jesus said, well, let me share with you what Paul said. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. He's now living inside of me. Jesus himself explains the living in him and living in us in a unique fashion through this character named John, the book of John. Of course, there are four books that he wrote in the Bible. And John shares, you know, you're probably not supposed to have favorites of certain things, but I think I do. John 15 and Romans 8, probably my two favorite New Testament chapters in the Bible. John 15, I just, I can never get enough of it. Like Romans 8, feel like the same thing. But in John 15, you've got John describing something here where Jesus goes into detail with beautiful metaphor to show us about a new way to be human and a new way to live and a new way to follow him. And he's talking to disciples after they've been following him for at least three years. We don't know how long the ministry time of Jesus was to the day, We know it was probably three plus years. And these guys had left families. They'd left homes. They'd left their businesses. They left their life to follow Jesus around. So they were already followers. They had paid a huge price and cost to be a follower. They were followers of Jesus. And then Jesus looks at them and he shares this passage with them and talks to them about something else he's inviting them into. As they're following him, he's saying, "Uh, I want your mindset to shift a bit and I'm inviting you into something. So let's read some of these verses together. This is out of John 15. I'm gonna start with verse four. Abide in me. Abide. It's this Greek word, meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to remain, to stay, to not leave, to live in, stay there. Never leave that place. Abide. It's your house. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus is saying the only place of fruitfulness is abiding, living in Jesus. Verse 5, I am the vine. He creates this metaphor here. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We all know this passage really well. Jesus saying, I am the vine. Here's your identity. You're a branch. My identity, I'm the vine. And you need me. And the only way you're going to be fruitful is to be joined with me. Several years ago, and I shared this, a part, a part of this, uh, four years ago here. But several years ago, I did this tour, and I've done several tours at wineries. I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. And I did this one at, in Napa. And it was unlike any other tour or visitation I had at a, at a winery, because the guy who was leading the tour was an expert. He wasn't just a tour guide. He was, uh, oh boy, what do they call these guys? Vin something. 
vine dresser, we know that vineron, vineron, that's the, that's the fancy name. And it's what he did. So he knew every detail of the process of how this goes. And he showed me, if we could show this first slide, you know, he takes us to, as he's walking us through there, he takes us to a vine, just like this. That's, that's a vine. So Jesus says, that's what I am. And then I asked the question about how do you get all these different kinds of grapes in here? I don't know nothing. I know nothing about this. So he, he said, well, you know, there are other grapes that we would like to have from somewhere else. It might be someone else's vineyard or another area of the country or whatever. So we get these, he called them buds. And so go to the next screen there. We get a, a bud, which Jesus calls branches. So this, this is a branch in Jesus' terminology. This is a bud in our terminology today. Same thing, a branch or a bud. And it looks dead, and he showed me one. It's about this long, just like a dead stick you'd find on the ground. But inside that, it's programmed to provide or produce a certain type of grape, even though it looks like it's dead. And then he said, uh, here's how you do it. And he showed me, showed us, how you graft, vine grafting. I've never seen anything like that. Next slide. And this is violent. It's violent. So you take a perfectly good vine that's producing great grapes, and but you want something different in there. So here's what you do is you get violent. You take a saw and you cut the thing off. Can't really see the top of that, but that is a vine that has been cut off. And then you take this boring tool and you put a hole in its side. And as you do that, they call what is, you bleed it out. That's the terminology. You bleed it out. So you got juice coming out the the top of this thing. And you've got juice coming out of the side of this thing. And you let it bleed out. How interesting is that? Then... You take a dead branch or a bud and you jam it in the hole of the side and you tape it up. That's You see tape in there. Go ahead and go to the next slide there. You tape it up. You can see the tape there on this cut off, perfectly good vine. The hole got carved in there. It got grafted in, taped up, And within a year or two, next slide, it's producing mature grapes that it was programmed to produce. The juice or the blood of the vine flows into that dead branch and causes it to come alive. Apart from him, it could do nothing, apart from that vine, but jammed into that vine and united, unified with it, within a year, it's producing that. Now he's explaining this to me and my mind is blown because I'm thinking of John 15. The whole time he's talking, explaining this, I'm thinking, this is amazing. This violent act getting bled out and a hole in its side. Come on. And then we get to be joined to him, unified with him as if we are now one together. And the juice in him now flows in me. 
How about that? And what he was doing before is now happening in me. And what can come out of me is only what he can do. Pretty amazing. This beautiful, beautiful picture. First Corinthians six seventeen, Paul said, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's a mind blowing verse. The person, it's the same thing that Jesus is saying here. The person that joins himself to the Lord means you don't have to. But if you do, you become one spirit with the Lord. I don't understand that fully. I really don't. But it is incredible. It's also what Jesus said there. Abide in me. Join yourself to me and don't leave. Don't leave that spot. Stay in that place. Let's keep reading. Verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned, which I don't fully understand that verse either. Um, I don't have a great explanation on this. Here's what I do know. I've seen many, many believers in my I guess 47 years of following Jesus. I've seen many believers, you have too, who have fallen away. They get bitter. They get jaded. They get dash expectations. They get involved in some sort of sin or whatever, and they shipwreck. They get detached from Jesus. See, religion, as you know, is not about just following some sort of format Being a believer, a follower of Jesus is being attached to him. So whatever happens in whatever church, whatever experience or whatever thing that someone else does in their sin should never affect my oneness with him. I have a friend and he said uh, after his kids, his kid went into drug addiction, his wife messed around with someone else, is doing something else that leaves the marriage He's by himself and he's just full of joy. And someone asked him, what is wrong with you? And he said, the decisions that my wife made and the decisions that my son has made and the way that they're living has nothing to do with my vertical connection with the great I am. This isn't him punishing me. This isn't something wrong wrong with he and I. I'm staying connected with him and I'm praying for them. And honestly, true story, both of them came around. His son showed back up on his doorstep. His wife came back. They have a great marriage. I don't understand. Everyone's story is different. What I do know is that we can never let our unitedness, probably not a word, with Jesus get affected. You're abiding in him. That home, that place, or we get, we get burnt. We've got to stay connected to him. Do not be moved by craziness and bad decisions of other people. I've seen way too many people, breaks my heart, shipwrecked, throw the Lord away because of someone else's actions. That's craziness. We've got to stay connected, unified. What Jesus invited us into, 
abide in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that connection with him, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this. Here's what he's glorified. That you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. And how does the fruit happen? By being joined to the vine. The Father gets glory through fruit that comes through us by our unifiedness with Jesus. Verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Now, this is something else here. Jesus adds another layer to this whole thing that's so powerful. You know, every child lives in a home of some kind. Well, there's some on the streets, I suppose. I know there are a lot of those too. But most children live in a home. And good parents take care of them. Provide a place for them to live, to be free, to eat, rest, play. Grow in learning and size, have fun. And then God isn't just a good parent. He's a great parent. He's our father. He takes care of us. He is, he's amazing. And we're his kids. You realize that you are a child of God. I know we say these things sometimes I have to remind myself of the reality of that. The highest appellation the best title anybody could ever have is, have is a child of God. It's not president of the United States or CEO of certain, it's child of God. That's you and I, highest title. That's who we are. We are God's children. And he cares about where you live. He cares about your home in the natural, but also clearly in the spiritual. And Jesus is the love of God in the form of a man. John 15, 9, again. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. This invitation, I love invitations. God is the God of the invitation. He's not the God of duress and pressure and stress and you better do this or else. He's the God of the invitation. Everything from Everything that God has ever done is about invitation for us. It's incredible. From salvation to healing to following him, it's all invitation. It's who he is. It's what he does. And he invites us here, invites his disciples and all who are listening and reading this to abide in him. To figure that out. What does that mean? How do I do that? And he says this, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said, I'm showing you this secret because it's what I'm doing. I'm abiding in my father's love. It's where I live. Jesus is saying this. It's where I live. It's where I remain. It's where I stay. I never get away from it. I'm living in my father's love. It's the place that I live in. I think it's the reason for Jesus' success. And everything that he did. He knew who he was. And he lived in his father's love. He was not affected by the pressures of others. Because he was living in his father's love. Jesus says, okay, this is what I do. I'm inviting you to do the same. Live in my, not just in me, but live in my love that I have for you. Find that love to be your heir. 
May it be your food. May it be your safe place. May it be the thing that you feel every single day. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be made full. I think he's saying there as well, we can't have real joy apart from abiding in him. But when you do, there is genuine joy. Part, it's like a meter for me. If my joy meter is low, I'm probably not abiding in Jesus. There's a solution. If something is wrong with my, if my joy is off, then I need to go to the love station. Living in the love of Jesus, getting filled back up with his love, because that's where joy exists. That's where it happens. Abide in my love. Your and my primary job is to abide daily in the love of Jesus, to live there. Every single day, unless I'm traveling, which I don't do much anymore other than Africa, I go home. When the work day's over, I head on home. It's just automatic. In fact, if my wife says, Matt, what she did this week, could you stop by Andrew's Apothecary Drugstore and pick this prescription up for me? And I get moving home. You know what usually happens? I drive right by that exit because I'm going home. It's just automatic. Every, every evening I go home. Every time I leave the house, I go back. I keep going back to the same place every single day. It's on the inside of me. It's even though I leave for periods of time, I always return. Jesus is inviting us to be that way with his love. That you, you go back there every day. Every day. It's your home. God really, as the father, cares about where you live. And he wants you to live in his love. He wants that to be your home. I tell you, there is no religion. There is no philosophy. There is nothing you can find in the world. There's nothing out there that is like the love of Jesus. And nothing else satisfies. Sarah was sharing about that last week. Nothing is going to fill that spot other than the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord. I'm 47 years in Jesus. It doesn't matter. When I'm 67 years in Jesus, I need to live in his love every day. It's a place of fruitfulness. It's a place of joy. It's living in him. Your home is the love of Jesus. God's love is your identity. You know, when we bought the house we live in now, we've been there eight years, and when we bought it, it had a pool and a hot tub. That was an upgrade for us in every way. We had not had either before. And we were super excited about the pool and so, so excited about a hot tub I like hot tubs, but we weren't certain that we were going to love it as much as the pool. And in reality, we use the hot tub nearly every single day. My kids, every day, even during the summer. I don't like in the summer. I like to be a little cool outside. But I'm telling you what, 
we've been living in that hot tub. I'm out there. I was out there last night. I'm out there. I'm looking at the stars. I'm, I thought I saw UFL last night, by the way. The side story. Anyway, I'm looking at the stars. I'm watching shooting stars. I've got this star map app. I'm looking at constellations. I love being outside. I see stuff that most people never see. And it's because of that doggone hot tub. (laughs) Kids love, it's where we talk. The phones get put down and we're all talking, sitting in there. And you know what, when you slide in, especially if it's cool, like in the winter, when the weather's cool and you go quickly, you shuffle quickly across the deck, barefooted to get in there because it's freezing cold, and you slide in there, those first five or 10 seconds are like, otherworldly. It is. It is. And then that water surrounds you and touches every part of the outside of you. You can even go all the way in if you want. And one day I was thinking about how much I'm enjoying this. And I feel like the Lord reminded me of this, where he said, abide in my love. Slip into that place where it's touching all of who you are and surrounding you, his love, and you're living in that and enjoying life and enjoying the world and seeing all the other things he made, but you are surrounded by this warm water, the warmth of his love. We're supposed to live that way. We're supposed to live that way in his love. Now, I know this is, Feels too simple. Feels like, come on, don't you have some new stuff to share? (laughs) Got to be something, you know, wham, bang, boom, something. No. This is the mindset. This is the lifestyle, the new way to be human that Jesus invited everybody to be a part of. And you never hear it talked about or rarely. He's saying, live in my love. I don't talk about it enough. Live in my love. My love is that place for you. In the message, well, let me read this first. John 17, 26. Jesus' prayer for you, his last prayer before he died for that violent act and he bled out, rose again. He said, Father, I've made your name, your nature known to them. He's praying out loud so everyone can hear him. And I will make it known that the love wherewith you love me, and you could say that I've been living in every day, may be in them and I in them. His prayer as he's about to die is that you would live in him and his love. Not just follow him. Yes, follow him. Yes, obey him. Yes, have a great relationship with him, but to live in his love. Feel it. Slip into it. Apply it. Go there. Stay there. Never leave that spot. And then you'll find that you have something to give away. You have You've received his love. You're living in his love. And so you then have love to give away. Of course, the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord with all 
and to love one another. As much as we love ourselves, right? Well, it's hard to do either of those if you're not living in love. But when you live in love, then you have love to give. And then sometimes you are giving a lot of love away. Where you end up having a lifestyle of then loving other people. I had uh, part of my conversation with the Lord not that long ago. I felt like I was doing more loving than I was receiving from other people. And I was complaining. And as I asked the Lord about that, I said, Lord, you know, why is that? And he said, oh, it sounds like, sounds like Christ-likeness. I thought, oh, man. Yes, it does. We can never love Jesus as much as he loved us. He just gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. And when you find yourself in a place of loving someone, whether it's your spouse or your children or your parents or your grandkids or your friends or people you work with or people that don't like you, and you're loving them more than you're getting back, you're in good company. That's called Christ-likeness. That's called giving love. And then you, because you're living in love, so you've got plenty to give. You're not missing any. That's how we are successful. It's how we are fruitful. It's how we live free and fruitful. So how do we do this? I think everything related to the scriptures, related to what Jesus has told us, is supposed to be practically applied, not just information. Information is supposed to be applied to become who we are. So how do we do this? How do you live? I think everybody has a different way. We're unique. We have different ways of connecting with God. Your way that you connect with God is going to be a little different than mine. But let me give you a couple of things that have helped me with this very thing. As I'm learning this still and growing in this and learning how to live in his love, first thing, it's by faith. Everything we get in God's by faith. Right? So it's a faith thing of abiding in him, of being united into the vine. And I, because of my hot tub analogy, I honestly, I use that as I live daily. If I'm not in there physically, I'm saying, Lord, I slip into the hot tub of your love. Because I know what that feels like in the natural and I know what this feels like in the spiritual. I stay there in the hot tub of your love where you're touching all of me, surrounding me, pleased with me, loving me, and I let your love saturate me. I need your love. I'm drinking and eating your love. I'm living in this spot. Your love is my home. Just even saying those kind of things, say, saying yes to the invitation of John 15. That's a great place to start. Lord, I say yes. You invited everybody. I'm, I am signing up to abide and to stay and not leave your love. And if I find myself gone, I'm coming back home. So part of it is just there from the heart. 
reject every thought that is the opposite of being loved. Sometimes you have to get violent with things. There are times to be ruthless and violent. Absolutely true. And it's got to be with thoughts that are the opposite of what Jesus said. When it's lies from the enemy, any type of accusation whatsoever, be ruthless and violent with that thought. Don't let it stay. Just like pornographic thoughts or thoughts about something that is sin. You've got to be ruthless with it. You can't be white-gloved with the things that are meant to hurt you and kill you. And when it comes to being loved, you are. So any thoughts that are the opposite, I'm not sure what God thinks about me, that is a thought intended to hurt. Be ruthless with that. Don't let it in. Don't let it stay. See yourself as one that God is crazy about, because he is. When you look in the mirror, and sometimes I do this honestly, may sound strange, I look in the mirror and I talk to myself. I will look right in my eyes. It's a weird thing. But I'll say, especially if you're not feeling it, this is a perfect time to do it. Matt Peterson, you are loved by God. Jesus died for you. Behind those eyes is the spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. And I'll prophesy to myself sometimes. I don't do it every day, but I definitely do it. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself how much you're loved. Everybody on the planet is looking to be loved. I don't care who they are, how tough they seem. Every single person, and Jesus is the one that provides that. Take Jesus up on the invitation. You know that word abide is a verb. Sounds like it shouldn't be. If you abide, you're like. But is getting to that place. It's the actions, the intentionality of getting ourselves in that place of living in that house of his love. Let me pray for you. For us. Jesus, thank you that you not only made a way, my goodness, you made a way to get to the earth. You made a way to become a human. You made a way to pay for the insurmountable sin and darkness and death. You paid for it. You forgave us. You invited us into your family. You pursued us. You chased us down when we were going the other direction. When we were far from you, you found us, you loved us, and now you've invited us to follow you, to be filled with your spirit, and to abide in you. This invitation from God himself, from you, Lord, to live in your love. We don't fully understand what that means, but we say yes. We say yes to that. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, next week, next month, we choose your love and to live in that place. Show us what that means. Show us what that is like. And Lord, I ask that as we do, you would do exactly what you said would happen. Joy would be bubbling up on the inside of them every single day. Your joy 
not just happiness, not just success, but joy, authentic joy that comes from you in order to ask for fruitfulness in every life without even tons of effort, just living in you and your juice flowing inside of them, your blood flowing inside of us. Change our mindsets. Lord, we say yes to living a new kind of human way that you've invited us into. One that is loved as a son and a daughter. And Father, I also just bless this fellowship, Queen City Church. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this oasis. Thank you for this place where treasures in you are being mined and given out. Thank you, Lord, for the worship and the teachings for the community and the fellowship. Thank you for all that you have ahead, what you're doing right now. I bless this place, these people, this church, the leaders here. Thank you, Lord, for Robin. Bless him and Donna in amazing ways. Lord, thank you for their sacrifice along the way and all that they've given, pour back into them, overflowing, We love you, Jesus, in your strong, powerful, wonderful name, amen. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for having me here today. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.